Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Ironbound podcast. Um, today I'm going to be speaking with my brother, Jason Fink, and the mic quality isn't perfect, so please bear with me as I continue to improve my technology and hopefully with each subsequent inf- interview that I do, I'm able to get better and better sound quality. So um, I hope that you enjoy this interview and um, I hope that I'm able as we dig up more uh, little cues and prompts um, going forward with the podcast that we're able to get my brother back on to um, continue to add more to the story as we go. So here we go. And I will not set my coffee for as precarious as this seems. So I'll not set it on the table. Oh, so that it's pretty stable there. Yeah. So we are at the very ass end of 2022. That's right. Yeah. We haven't quite hit the new year yet. And no, I don't even know what day it is. What is it? 28th? 28th. Something like that. Um, and so... Um, I guess generally what I'm thinking is I'd like to talk to anybody who still has memories of the island about the way that it was and the way that it kind of developed into. And I guess something that has been coming to me more and more since becoming a mom is dad's, mm, how much he wanted to preserve the island and what it was that he was kind of trying to do there, which was, you know, more or less successful, I guess. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just looking to remember what it was like because I don't see that ever coming back around again. The industry's gone. No, no, there's iron band will never be, Ironbound. Ironbound again. again. Yeah. It's, uh, and uh, I think one of the neat things about Ironbound was it was always like, it's like they were operating 50 years in the past, but they also had some of the, 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 the modern conveniences as well. Yeah. It was completely separate from the world outside, but only by so much distance. So it was just a boat ride away to be at the mainland and be able to get you know, get in your car and drive off and do whatever you needed to do on the mainland. So it was all there. Yes, yes, it was. But, you know, being on the island, you had uh, there was different kinds of, of planning. They, you know, they uh, I remember dad telling me about getting the, the food order off of the, the mm-hmm. ferry. So, you know, they'd get because the ferry used to come to the wharf at Ironbound. It would, yeah. But only on special order. If they requested it. Yeah. It didn't run. There was never a time that the ferry ran on a schedule out to Ironbound. No, there was no, never. No, there was that, just never that, that, that much population. Place. But yeah. it, it would service Ironbound if, if they requested or if there was uh, mail, I think. I think it used to drop mail Did the drop mail? Okay. Not 100% on that one. But. Yeah, I guess when I was a kid, I remember going with Nan to the the shop that was along the road towards where they ended up with the house in Bayswater. And yes, that was that, where that they was the would get office. their mail. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, it was at the deck. And then... Even the deck isn't there now. Oh, is the deck gone? The deck is, uh, 
the deck is gone. Yeah, Annie sold the place and there's um another food service place there, but it's like Oh. It's very white and clean inside <laughs> of the deck. I remember asking Uncle Philip what he thought of it and he was kind of like there's nothing in there for for the locals. It's not even like a fry shop or whatever. It's like, I don't know. I oh. think they've gone for trying to put fancy things in there. <laughs> Get the hoity-toity tourists. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I I stopped in at one moment just to pick up a couple of bottles of water because I was headed to the island. Um, but I didn't really check out what they had at the, yeah. at the counter. But... Uh... Yeah, Nan used to order everything. I mean, Mom, I, I don't remember it, but Mom uh, talks about Nan would order our Christmas presents directly from the Sears catalog. Right. And then she'd, they'd come in the brown paper, and then she'd just leave them wrapped up in the Sears brown paper. And that was the Christmas. And that was Christmas, right? I remember her showing us the wish book at Christmas time. I remember that being like, what? do you want for Christmas? And I remember specifically like one sweater that she bought one year that I picked out and that's what I got. So that, there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about fishing with Russell because you got to go out with him a lot when yes. you were young and being a girl, it wasn't, I didn't go out with the men to go fishing. And so it wasn't, really yeah. an experience that I had. I We went fishing with dad and that was the fishing that I ever did, but never with like the men of the island. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really take me out either, except that I asked. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Russell would, was still fishing. Commercially. Yeah. Commercially. Yeah. He was the last I'm not sure if he was semi-retired or if he was, I, I don't, because he didn't seem to be going out at hammer and tongs. He was kind okay. of slowed down. Okay. I mean, he was semi-retired and he had the, the angina going. That's yeah. why he had to drive around with the four-wheeler and stuff. Okay. Because they wanted him to limit his... Exertion. His exertion, which is funny saying that to an ironbounder. Yeah, but, no uh, kidding. But yeah, I mean, fishing with Russell was... I mean, I would have been, I guess, William's age at that point. Right. And you were born in 81? 81, yeah. Yeah. And I was born in 83. And William now is... 10? 10? Yeah. yeah. 10. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have been like 10 or, or that area. Yeah. So it would have been the, the very beginning of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I know that Russell told me what time he left. And, of course, I was so anxious to miss him that I would get up. I don't remember when I would get up. What time did he leave? Because <laughs> well, I mean, he, was, they... he was leaving in the dark. Uh, in, in the, the summertime. summertime. So, you know, it would be five Four. o'clock. Oh. Five o'clock or so that we'd be yeah. headed out. But of course, I would be so terrified I was missing him that mm. I'd get, I get I found an old alarm clock of Grampy's, the, the wind-up mechanical yeah. ones. Because I remember God, Dad can't saying... can't sleep with the bloody thing. <laughs> saying, I, I, you know, it'll be a cold day in hell before I have one of those again. And yes. I loved it. I'd wind it up and chuk, chuk, Good Lord. All night, but I'd get up at like, I don't know, three or four or something. <laughs> and then uh, Russell used to pick at me because he'd, he'd get up and look out. Of course, I'd gone down to the fish store. And you're just sitting there waiting I had, for him? Of course, 
the fish store in the dark is a creepy place. So yeah. I go from top to bottom and turn every light Aww. on. So I look down at every light on all three stories of the fish store was, was on. And then there, there was, uh, he had some nets or something. Yeah, some nets, bait nets or something like that. Yeah. And he'd come down, and I'd, of course, curl up and go to sleep on the nets. Oh. So I'd be asleep on the, these fish boxes With and all nets the lights on. With all, every light in the fish store on. Oh, I love that. And then uh, he'd come down, and, and uh, I'm not sure whether he was looking forward to giving it up or just just being Russell. He, he was a very jokey kind of character. Yeah. But every every time we went in, it'd be like, he'd be like, well, hope we at least catch enough to pay for our fuel. Oh, goodness. And... Uh, so it, we'd go, and you know we usually went to the same couple spots: the the, the Hulk Shoal, which is kind of almost as far as Green Island, but up towards Halifax okay. a bit, and or we'd go off Green Island. There was one spot we went that was kind of like three quarters of the way between Ironbound and Green Island, mm-hmm. like three quarters to Green Island. Okay, so you were covering a fair bit of territory. Yeah, we'd go out and, and, and drink I guess around. fuel wasn't as crazy at that point in time. Well, I, I don't know. I never thought about the economics sure, of it. I was just yeah, getting, you're a I kid. Mean, I was 10, I was just one yeah. fish. And, but you guys were doing all hand lining at that point. You weren't like yeah, we weren't working living. nets or anything like that. Well, we were. He had, uh, he had half of a herring net set for uh, to catch bait. Okay. So we'd, we'd hit up the, the net. In the morning, and how do you have half of a herring net? Well, it's you just cut it in half. Oh, okay. So, I actually don't know. Is this just like buoys at the top, and it's a net that's hanging down into the ocean, and the yes. fish get caught up in it? Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a surface net, so it's okay. There's cork floats on the top. Yeah, and it hangs down. I I couldn't tell you how far it hangs down. Okay, and you just pull the net in, and the fish are caught up in it, and you empty yeah. the net and drop yeah, it back Yeah, there's an anchor in. on one end. Okay. There's an anchor on one end, and then the other end is free to kind of pivot around mm. with the tide, mm-hmm. and it just floats on the surface like, okay. like, a, like a clothesline. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. And they've got other kinds of nets that are sunk. You know, they've got weights on the bottom, and they, they hang down. Like mm-hmm. Cod nets are, of course, on the bottom because they're ground fish, right? Right. So... Uh, yeah, we'd go out, we'd, we'd uh, check that, get the bait. Mm-hmm. He had frozen bait as well. He had a little freezer there in the, in the fish store. In the store. fish store. Oh, I yeah. remember that freezer. Yeah, you probably remember it after it was shut off and the mice would jump the into it The mice would jump into and, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah, one time there was a shark tending up his net, as you'd say. So there'd be all these holes in it where the shark was eating the, the pulling the fish out. Interesting. So there was um there's actually an article that Susan Alain gave me that I dug out that um I figured out there's no there's no date on the article, but I figured out because they mention in this article that uh Grampy's 42 at the time that they wrote this. And so this and Grampy was born in 20 to uh 24 right there's and there's a picture of our dad who would have been 13 at the time of this so that's dad at 13 and grampy at i showed this picture to chris oh my god and i said how old do you think this man is 
I said, this is my grandfather. And he's looking at the picture and he's like, he's got to be 54. 60. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he's 42. And they, he's like, whoa. <laughs> and they actually mention in the article, they say, um, Isaac Fink is 42 and has a sun and wind tanned face, which would make the Florida variety seem pale by comparison. It's like, yep, <laughs> certainly you can see the weather on his face. But um, they mention in the article about the the sharks getting into the nets and biting big holes in them. Yeah. So they were having trouble with that even at that time. So this was, I figured out, was in 66 that this article was written. Then there's the blue sharks. They weigh about 100 to 200 pounds and can take a bite out of a net a foot square. When they roll and become tangled, it's worse still. They can really make a mess of a man's gear. Yeah, because sharks also, kind of like alligators, they also have that bite and roll kind of thing. Oh, yeah. If they're going yeah. after large prey, they'll, they'll bite and twist it out. But why would they, why would, because with alligators, don't they do that to drown their prey? I'm, oh, I'm assuming that a shark is, I mean, they've got quite a bite, but maybe it's to rip the piece out. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, everyone there, even the people who fish for them on, on a fishing line, you know, in the derbies and stuff they're you know, they'll, they'll get a, on, on the hook and then they'll roll and they'll be like spinning up all, the gear, bailed up in, in oh, the gear. Right. Right. So I'm not sure why they, they do that, but they can It'd be hard to do a catch and release with a fish <laughs> that gets itself that tangled <laughs> in the, yeah, well, most people don't re release sharks. Release sharks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've always been around. Yeah. Um, I remember Russell didn't kill the shark. Russell, he, he, one time we, we saw the shark. It was there and it was just kind of cruising along the boat and Russell got the gaff and he, he hooked it in the gills huh. and, and gave it a good rooch. And he said that for a shark, that's like hoofing it in the nuts. So... Uh Okay, I guess but then he tender. just he just gave it a yeah he holds an like adjustment essentially water. yeah and then off it went huh I suppose at whatever age Russell was at that point it would be a lot of work to get it was a good size shark right it was like a I don't know a ten foot shark or something and it so. was just at the surface like obviously it was yeah, if it was, he was it was it in the net or it no, just was, it was just mooching around. around trying to uh, yeah just, eat the stuff that you had in the yeah yeah wow. <clears throat> Okay. It's kind of funny because when they're swimming, you don't really see their tail move. So it looks like just this fish just like gliding, gliding. through. It's yeah. pretty creepy actually watching them go. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's the reputation that they got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember being jealous when we were kids that you got to go out with Russell because you'd come back with all of these songs and rhymes and we don't need to... Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I suppose that at, at that age they seemed pretty risque, but uh, you know, looking back at it now, that they, they weren't that crude. No, it was pretty silly, but yeah. yeah. But when you're a kid, we were all delighted and and mortified and oh, all yeah. of the all of the <laughs> exciting emotions by the uh, the rhymes and and little songs that you get from Russell. Yeah, but uh, you know, I liked to jig. Russell usually used a hand line with bait. I found uh, so what's of, the difference? Oh, you uh, were just jigging with the lures that are in the shape of a fish. Yeah, you know, the, they're, they're like that big in lead or whatever with the two big hooks on that it. That big's about like six inches. Uh, 
Eight inches. Yeah, yeah. like eight inches. Like mm-hmm. a, with a hook. Yeah. With a, a big double hook on the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just you let that down to the hip bottom and you bring it up. A couple arms length. arm's length or two. Yeah. Depends. Like if you aren't getting anything at one level, sometimes you adjust by half an arm length and then you start getting things. It's, mm. And you just kind of jerk it up and down. and Yeah. I remember going out with dad um, after dad. Oh gosh. No, I don't think he was sick yet, but he and I went out maybe in the little outboard we were in like one of the a much smaller boat than usually we weren't in grampy's boat we weren't in the diesel we were either in like the little sculp in the little outboard uh gas engine or i don't think we were on the you weren't in the gray one maybe yeah it was after i had left home so it would have been post 2001 but dad died by 2000 five six i don't remember 2006 honestly. yeah so um so it would have been somewhere in that probably area the gray boat. that was their, their okay new toy it was fast and new and- right so we went out and we were just mooching around trying seeing if we could catch something but it was funny for me at that time because i was in uh circus training and doing all of this you know um low weight, high repetition exercises with elastic bands and all of this stuff that was really like regimented and meant to be very specific movements, you know, in order to keep your body just so. And then I'm out on this boat with dad and I'm like, this is the exact same exercises that I'm doing for physical therapy in the circus is what we're doing here to pull fish out of the water. You know, it's just this repetitive, like, and then your arm gets kind of tired in that direction. So you turn to the other face the other way and you're pulling the load in the opposite direction. Yeah. So it's like, I'll tell you, <laughs> you, you look at pictures of me when I was a kid, I had shoulders built up business. I, <laughs> and you I, were a pretty skinny kid. Otherwise. I was skinny as all hell, but yeah. I was like the, 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 the top end of the, the, the body work there was crazy. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I, I wasn't thinking about it, but no. I'd spend, I mean, we'd, we'd come in, I'd say that we'd land around three or four and, you know, I'd pretty much be out there jigging away all day long. So if you were going off at five in the morning and coming back in at three or four, you were putting in like a full day's work. Yeah. Well, I mean, then we'd come in. And and then you'd have to come in and clean. I'd help unload and then Russell did the cleaning. Okay. I I think that having it, it would be too much for him to train me to, to clean fish. Right. I at mean, that point in time. He probably enjoyed the company in the boat and stuff. For a while. But then, and then, you know, having a, a, a green hand there trying to fill it and to, to, to split the, the fish because he wasn't filleting. He was splitting and salting the fish. Uh, so filleting would be if you took either side off and got rid of the spine and the head and the guts. Yeah. Filleting's. I know that I've I've never been good at it, but you actually leave the bones behind. So you you cut down the back, and then you actually follow the the ribs of the fish down. Yeah. So you leave so there's no bone in no the, bone in, in the, the fillet. Fish. Okay. And then you actually flip it over, and then you take the skin off the other side. Oh, okay. It's it's quite a skill. A really clean cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what he actually... was doing was you you split them, so you take the head off and the guts out, and you take the the backbone out. 
Okay. And then you end up with that, uh, well, if you think of the classic salt fish, that you get the tail. The and then split, like this, yeah. Right? Sort of a tra- uh, trapezoidal shaped. Yeah. Yeah, fish. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost like a big triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And then he had the, the, the puncheons there, and you'd, and the, the bag, of, the, the bin of coarse salt, and you'd, of course, you'd, you'd throw a little bit of salt on, and then you'd throw the fish on top, and then you'd throw a little more salt, salt. on top of it, and they'd just... Uh, stack them up. Yeah, and they'd just stack in there. Hmm. So he was salting everything. He wasn't selling stuff fresh. No, the Ironbounders never really sold fresh fish. I think their stuff was always salted. Okay. Uh, as far as, like, codfish and stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, in later... I guess if you weren't... It would have to be pickled if it wasn't salted because well if it, if it would have to be frozen right yeah 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 no interestingly they just enough didn't have the technology we for found that. that article in, in market's house where they spoke that the men on the island were planning on getting uh oh refrigeration yeah huh we found an article about when they finally got the first time they got uh, power from shore yeah the first cable and they were talking about how uh, Ironbound had DC generators at the time. Like each yeah. house had a little generator. Yeah, they mentioned that in this article as well. That everybody has their own little Jenny. Yeah, but yeah. then then they got power from shore. The Coast Guard mm-hmm. ran out the 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 cable, the cable from Nova Scotia Power, whatever it was at that at time. at that time. Yeah, and the article said that they were talking about getting uh, deep freezers. Hmm. So then they would be selling frozen frozen fish. Fresh, yeah. Right? But, but for, the industry just didn't hold. No, I mean, that was part of the reason why they kicked all the kids off. Because, I mean, you know, you sh- certainly some of the kids would have gone on to be... To fish. To fish. And I know yeah. that I wanted to fish. Yeah. But they, they said, you know, they said... There's no future Philip, They said, no way, Jose, because... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can find plenty of articles where the the price, the cost of living was going up, but the caught the the price they were paying for the fish, the fish was stationary. That's right. that's actually what led them to buying the the big uh, mackerel and herring trap. Oh, okay. So they could try to keep up with the market. Well, the only if your if your price isn't going up, the only thing you can do is increase Catch your more volume. fish. Yeah. Right, right. and. I don't know how, I, I don't, you'd have to ask Philip about how they had it organized, whether each man was his own enterprise or whether the Finks fished as a, as a I think group it was as fished a, as a group. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was. It's, I mean, it's hard to tell because uh, like the Youngs had two fish stores. The Finks had one. One. But. Was it just like, that there were that they, many more Youngs on the island? Couldn't tell. Well, and was. actually they mention this guy. Josiah Zink, and I don't remember any Zinks living on Ironbound. Who knows? Was he was he a sharesman? I don't know. Because I know that I know that there were sharesmen that would, but he's not referred to that way. I know that there was uh, Dad's bedroom on the house on Ironbound. There's the story about the sharesman who slept walk. Oh, really? And. Uh, of course, they were out. They had the there was the dories said so, so they he'd bring the oars up and he'd lean them against the kitchen 
and he'd go up there and they'd sleepwalk and he'd come out the window, hop off the roof and what, and they'd like go down the, in his sleep, go down the road with his oars. What? He would climb out the window? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> they think about it, summertime, yeah. just the sash windows, they probably, yeah. they probably even have the window pulled out. So, yeah. you know, to get the, to get enough air, get air going air through. Air going through, Yeah. Yeah, especially summertime, it could actually get pretty hot. Oh, yeah. In those old houses. Yeah. Yeah. No insulation. Yeah. So they they did have sharesmen. Yeah. I don't know that I remembered that they had sharesmen up in Nan and Grampy's house in our our family home. I know that I've talked to Susan about the sharesmen that were staying in their house. Of course, she's gone further back. So I guess as this project continues for me, I'm going to learn a lot more about. I'm sure he will, because uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't taken as much interest in my family history as I probably should. But well, you know, I think that we're starting now to get to the age where you can start to even kind of turn your attention to anything like that. Or yeah. like closer to it, you know, it's like well, when, when you're, you're kid, young. You just <laughs> Yeah. These things have been here for a long time, so they'll always be here. Always be here. That's yeah. it. And it's funny because like I my memories of Ironbound from being really young, there was still a community there. So Nan and Grampy were still living on the island and we were living whenever we were there with Nan and Grampy. Yeah. And then if you were wanted to go do something or like see somebody else you could go down and visit aunt margaret and she would have tang tang and candies like hard the humbugs, humbugs. The, the brown humbugs with the, yeah. the black stripe or whatever exactly um or like there were there were other people on the island you know charlie and beatrice were still on the island and yeah so uncle paul was still on the island yeah i mean i i remember as a kid there would be, well, there was always a space for us on the ranch because mm-hmm. there was uh, Grampy's boat, mm-hmm. Russell's boat, and Paul had a boat. Yeah, and that's right. Grampy's boat was the largest one of the Finks. And it would, was always next to the, I feel like we were always... No, sometimes no, we were in the middle. That's right, yeah, that's right. Right, and then, and he had his boat... I remember uh, Dad was scandalized because the faint colors were always green and white. And then Grampy <laughs> went and painted his boat. I think it was orange. Or, it, it was, was orange, orange first, first and, and then, then yellow, yellow. Bright yellow. But that was because of Nan. Was it? It was because Nan wanted to be able to see him when he was uh, off ah. off at sea. She wanted to be able to look out and see that his boat was Okay, but there. Dad was scandalized <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that, but. And Russell's boat was dark blue. Yeah. And uh, Paul's boat was green and white. Mm-hmm. And his was small. His was like, I don't know, maybe 22 yeah, feet a little or something. Boat. I remember that. And then on the, the young side, there was Walter. Walter always had sort of a really nice boat. Walter always had the, the largest boat. Yeah. And Buddy's boat, which became Jan and Terry's boat, that white oh, one. Okay, yeah. I don't remember Buddy at all. I mean, I remember Buddy. I I, I could, I can't describe him, but I, yeah, I, I could, you I have can vague memories. drop a picture of him. But Do you remember Uncle Perlis? 
Yes. Okay. Kind of. Like I had, I know that, so Uncle Perlis was married to Aunt Margaret. Yeah. And Margaret stuck around for a good long while. I think she must have died in the early 90s because I was probably 12. Or It was not that long away from when Nan died. I feel like. I don't, a, I don't know if it was a while from when Nan died. I think was it was it? mid-90s because I remember being 12 or 13 and going to visit her in the home. In, in the home. Yeah, me too. Okay. Because, I mean, you're, you're a teenager and you, you go into you're an super old not excited to sit and sweat in the old folks home. It smells <laughs> like old people and it's four million degrees. Yes, and... it's really hot. And we were, you know, redneck kids growing up in... Drafty houses, so we were used house. to being yeah. cold. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that too. It's like, and you know, you're you're there, and you do your obligatory, you know, how are you? Give hugs and stuff, mm -hmm. and then children are to be seen and not heard, and yeah. so you get to sit there for the rest of the visit. Well, I, it was always, you know, the home is was always kind of like this depressing place. Yeah, but like we, I used we used to go, we used to go and visit her at Ironbound. Yeah, which was always so nice. Which was always nice because she had the candies, the cookies, and mm -hmm. she would have get tang out. Yeah. And mix it up in the, the, the quart mason jar. Oh, I feel like my memory is of a glass pitcher, but... No, I remember no. it was a mason it was jar. a mason jar. I trust your memory better than mine on a lot of these things. It's been amazing for me even talking to you and Jeremy about stuff because there's two years between each of us, me being the youngest. And it's amazing how much more memory you can have having two years up on somebody in childhood because our memories are so ethereal, <laughs> so, so vague, funny. you know. What I find interesting is i mean ironbound of course you, you did your groceries i'm not sure how often they did their groceries probably every two weeks maybe something like that yeah because you know i remember go out to visit nan and, and she'd have a, a box of alphabets or something and it would be gone in the first two or three days mm. and that was that and that's like well too bad now you're down to shredded uh Shredded, shredded wheat. wheat. <laughs> the classic shredded wheat, the big right, brick. Right, the not big the, brick. Not, not, not the mini wheats with sugar on it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. The, the uh, bale of spun wheat. <laughs> actually wasn't bad. I, I mean, no, I you could like, put your own sugar on it. Well, we had it, Grampy, I ate it the way Grampy did, which would be boiling water. Pour boiling water, water on pour it. Pour boiling water on it, then you leave the water, like just a, a bit, so it would like turn into a, Soft. a paste or something. Yeah. Then he'd put milk and, and sugar on it. Yeah. It actually wasn't too bad. you pour off the water. No, you leave the water oh, on, so it, it soaks, it soaks it up, and it, the water uh -huh. disappears. You rehydrate your you wheat. rehydrate your <laughs> wheat. But uh, and I, I noted this when we were when we were reopening Margaret's house, and we still had it at Nan's as well. Uh, Nan would say, "Would you like some orange juice?" Yeah. And now I don't know. I mean, being the age that we are, whether concentrate was just not a thing at that time. The but, frozen or... or... Or the frozen. But if she said, would you like an orange juice? They always had oranges and she would cut an orange in half. Oh, wow. And they had the glass, you know, And the she'd squeezer, squeeze it. And she would squeeze it and you would get it in a juice glass. Which right. Is so like, like a what's little... What's that, four ounce like a short glass? shot glass, practically. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. They're, they're still in Margaret's house. Yeah. Like when... And I think that a lot of those glasses those juice glasses uh at one time came 
with jam in them. Yeah, or mustard. Or, or the, yeah, the things ones like with the, the spades and the clubs and stuff on it were, were yeah. mustard containers. Okay, which, there you go. Yeah. Which is one of those things that it's you know it's a it's a bygone era which we should get back to if we get under the yeah. environmental thing. Mm-hmm. But they were meant to be reused, reused after you glass, finished it. Yeah. Not not a disposable uh, container. And, and they were. But the, yeah. that juice, of course, was amazing. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. But they always and Dad remember Dad always had oranges as well. But yeah, we no concentrate orange juice had to exist because we had we got the frozen cans. Yeah, but it wasn't the way. But Nan and Margaret and like all the old folks mm-hmm. when we were out there, it was if you wanted a glass of orange juice, that's you what you got. The orange. Yeah, you got one orange's worth of juice mm-hmm. and in this glass, and you know pulp and seeds and everything. And yeah, it was so delicious. You would just like nurse it. Like, yeah. Mm. Because if you chug it, it's gone. It's gone. And, you're not and that's it. Anymore. Yeah, that's like, it. <laughs> that's kind of like what you were saying about the the plate size when you opened up Margaret's house and the yes, the the dinner plates are the the actual dinner plates are only the size of like we we've got them down there. You've got your dessert plate, then there's like a medium plate, mm-hmm. and you've got your the giant the giant plate, yeah. right? And like our our plates have just gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah. And meal proportions. Meal proportions have gotten bigger and bigger just because, you know. There's room on the plate. If you don't fill the plate, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, that you know, we could get into, there's a lot of, there's a lot of. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's some deep dives we could go into. You know, I I don't think that electric cars are going to be the the be all and end all of saving our world. I think that what we need to do is look backwards at how the old folks managed to make things work you know know, reuse reuse or you know use glass glasses endlessly recyclable unlike plastic which is for the most part not recyclable it's really not but we like we like to comfort ourselves and think that plastic is a lot more recyclable than it is yeah yeah but uh yeah, and if you wanted cookies, I mean, sometimes you showed up and, and there weren't cookies because they hadn't uh, banged mm. off a batch of cookies that day or whenever they yeah whenever they they made them. Yeah, I'll have to ask mom about the because she when she was living on the island with dad, of course, after uh, after dad lost the job with Mobile Oil up in Newfoundland. He, he lost the contract. Yeah. Um, they moved back to Ironbound and were living with Nan and Grampy and they would have had Jeremy at that time. Yeah. So um, I don't actually know how long they lived on the island. Me neither. But it'll be interesting to talk to Jer as well because, of course, he and Nan were very tight. And There was one of the things that's that always that I remember is things were so much different from the mainland just because you didn't have all the municipal services and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. Like I think about garbage. Garbage was always separated. Yeah. And uh, like every day, I remember Nan would open up the wood stove in the kitchen and she'd burn the, the, the cardboard the and the paper and stuff. Yeah. Well, the the stuff that was garbage. That Newspapers was garbage. were always kept because right. you they could would, use them for wrapping were, things. Yeah, you wrapped up. I mean, a lot of times there would be a stack of newspaper, and when we took frozen bait out mm-hmm. fishing, you'd 
wrap the, wrap the bait it in, in paper. newspaper to keep it. And they were using so much glass, so the glass would get wrapped in newspaper. To yeah, and or I remember being sent with a a bucket of tin cans and glass bottles to throw them over the back of the wharf. Mm -hmm. And that sounds terrible, but uh, we we played on that front beach, which is behind the wharf all the time. And those cans would only last maybe a week before they rusted into nothing. Into nothing. Yeah. So a tin can will will return to uh, very quickly in in an ocean environment. Right. And the glass gets ground up, and, and of course, sure, it, was, it becomes sea glass. We were becomes en- endlessly highly coveted. collecting sea mm-hmm. glass, which and somehow <laughs> the blue sea glass was the most coveted, which I think was the like Noxima face cream jars. <laughs> I, was, I was asking Katie, my wife Katie, about that the other day because she remembers her grandmother, and I remember Nan having the Noxima cream, and yeah. I guess, and you, you got to give it to the ladies on the island. I mean, being they they always had themselves put together. Yeah, they I remember were. Nan always had her makeup on. She always had she lipstick always on. Was looking good. Had her hair. I mean, yeah, it's not like me mincing around the house now, like in sweatpants, unshamed, yeah, man. undrushed. <laughs> Can you imagine Nan in washed. sweatpants? Oh my, oh my gosh, god, she would be mortified. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, even that. So <clears throat> you know, something as mundane as as handling your garbage was something that had to be it was know, thought consciously about. thought about yeah it was thought about because there was there was no landfill yeah there was no landfill there was no uh fire brigade no so was nobody no. was gonna come fix things for it like i guess the original lighthouse on ironbound did burn down it did, yes was that from lightning or as was far it as i from... know it was a lightning strike okay. or they say it was a lightning strike but who knows? You know, could have been um, a lamp or uh, the the lighthouse there. It now was what eighteen fifty or something. Mm, yeah. So you know how much fire investigation are they gonna? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, I swear it was a lightning strike. Yeah. All right. Lightning mm-hmm. strike, or it could have been the lamp got knocked over, or sure. fell over, or yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Right. Who knows? So what was the story? This is one that I don't remember that well. But I have a memory of dad telling me a story about um, somebody be a girl being locked in the old house that was there on the corner and seeing the lighthouse burning and not being able to get out to tell people that the lighthouse was on fire. Oh, that's the first I've I've heard that. I wonder if I just completely made that up. I don't understand why a girl would be locked in the old house. I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. The this same, is a part same, of like the point of me even wanting to the, ask the people these era, stories. You know, the same era that that lighthouse would have burned. That would have been one of the only dwellings on, on the, the house. island. So it's yeah. not like she would be locked in there alone, right? Like if she was in the house, everybody would was be in, in the, the house. house. Yeah. I, mean, I, you know, I Susan. Know. Susan talks about uh, the story Charlie telling about because charlie lived in the lighthouse with mm-hmm. in the new lighthouse the yeah, one that's the, the, currently the, the, there the new lighthouse yeah the new it's only near 200 yeah well that's very it's very nova scotia but uh, was, um yeah the their folkies lived their folkies lived downstairs i think that they slept in that first room uh-huh 
Now, I suppose for for listeners, the, the, the downstairs has two rooms. Right. There's the essentially the room that you enter into that has uh, a hand pump sink. No, the hand pump sinks in the other room. Is it in the next room? Yeah. Okay. So that well, been there your, we go. That would have been your kitchen. And then the, the first room you enter into is a small, what would you say, eight by ten? Ten. Yeah. Roughly kind eight of. Eight by room. ten. And then the room that's behind it the with larger, the wood stove. Yeah, would have had the wood stove and the, Yeah. Yeah, because the chimney was on that end as well. And then, so the next level up in the lighthouse is still sort of Similarly in the house, way. in the house shape. Yeah, yes, there's room it, on the it's, landing. It's a story and a half or whatever. So it's got the sloped ceilings and there's one room that's... Like a clo- an enclosed bedroom style. Yes, but that's where the kids slept. I think there was like six of them or something yeah. in there. And well, that would have been, yeah, because Aunt Violet... Violet, Charlie, Isaac. Uh, Uncle. No. No. Charlie and Isaac were not. Are, aren't they they're brothers? Cousins. Oh, they're cousins. Uncle Arthur and Grampy are uh, brothers. Arthur, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. See, no this worries. Is, this is me. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is, it's all a part of this thing for me. It's like also just getting not to the, mention, the trees. Yeah. Well, dad always called. Uh, Margaret, Aunt Margaret. So yes. we still call, call Margaret, her Aunt, Aunt Margaret, Margaret but, but she she's... would be what third cousin, twice removed, or God, something. I don't know. Actually, it's a good point. Chris but, has also uh, asked me these questions too. He's like, "Okay, so Aunt this and Uncle that," and I'm like, eh. they, "They may not have even been Aunt or Uncle. They could have mm, been." It's it, a lot of it's pretty loose. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, back to the story. Mm, Susan yes. asked Charlie about. Uh, them getting uh playing pranks on each other and you know and charlie said you were too tired to to play pranks because oh my god as i said ironbound was always like 50 years back so the children were expected and required it was not optional to to work as hard as the adults yeah and And uh that was it and that was it yeah and you know like there's a story Dad told me about Grampy. They got one pair of rubber boots a year. Mm. And one year, Grampy was running down to the shore and he cut his foot open on uh, a piece of slate. And, of course, it was stitched up there. But then his his foot was sore because, of course, he was running around barefoot. Yeah. And you have all those big calluses, but the slate cut the callus off. So then he was wearing, had to wear his rubber boots in the summer. And, of course, rubber boots didn't last, so he was quite a scandalized that he had to wear his rubber boots. Because um, then they'd be wore out. and Through the, the winter. winter. Oh, and you don't want to have your boots at the bottom in well, winter, in a yeah. <laughs> iron-bound winter. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, there's so many stories that start kind of like popping back into my head. And a lot of them are like half, half, like incomplete. Did I tell you about visiting Uncle Arthur and Aunt Muriel? This was when they were in the home up in Halifax when they, um, they were in like the assisted living. So they weren't in the like, okay, yeah. like really like little just room. They had sort of their little apartment. apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
Josh and I went to visit them. And it was such a like classic Arthur and Muriel sort of moment because Uncle Arthur starts telling this story about when they were um, taking care of the lighthouse on Pearl Island. And because the light keeper disappeared, so mm -hmm. that family, uh, the, the younger part of the, of the kids and the parents went to Pearl Island. The older kids stayed on Ironbound to keep things running. Um, and so Uncle Arthur was duck hunting off of Pearl Island, and it must have been, it was very cold, clearly, by the story. And he was hunting from his dory and um, he shot two ducks and was like leaning out to try and get the duck out of the water. And he got knocked out of the dory. I think a wave or something came and pushed him out of the boat. <coughs> and it's not a good situation to be in, in yeah. the North Atlantic in with nobody clothes. else around in wool clothes. <clears throat> And so he's telling the story and we've gotten about this far in it. And then Aunt Muriel sort of grabs me and says, all right, it's time for us to go, you know, put together some food. And I'm like, I want to hear the story. Josh gets to sit here on the couch and listen to Uncle Arthur tell the story. And obviously Aunt Muriel had probably heard the story a million times. So it's not interesting to her anymore. She's like, yep, we're getting to the kitchen now. And I'm like, oh, so I had to get the rest of the story from Josh later on <laughs> because I needed to be in the kitchen making food. But um, so the story continued that he had fallen out of the dory and he couldn't get back in. He was trying to get out of the water and he couldn't get himself out of the water. And he kind of got to a point where he gave up hope and tied the painter from the boat, which is the, just the line for tying up the boat. He tied it around his waist so that they wouldn't have to search for his body, which is such a pragmatic think thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said that he heard the voice of the Lord tell him how to get back in the boat. And, um, he didn't really specify how he did. We kind of thought maybe he went to the back of the boat to go through that like sculling notch or something like that. Who knows? We didn't get the details on that. But he, through this divine intervention, got back into the dory, retrieved his ducks. <laughs> he didn't leave the ducks behind and went back, <clears throat> uh, managed to get back ashore and get back to the, the lighthouse. But he said that just um, walking in the cold air after having been in the ocean, um, his trousers broke off of him from freezing from where he was walking. That wouldn't surprise me. You know, oh. they, they, had, they had real winters back then. Oh, my Hard God. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, they, they made people of a different material back then. <laughs> or I suppose you just... You had to you, you rise to adapt the to your environment, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we we too could be so tough, but maybe we don't want to have to be. Well, so you know, tough. We, we've got we've got it pretty good. When they talk about modern conveniences, and people go, "What modern conveniences?" Yeah, no. Well, I remember 
visiting Nana and Grampy and Ironbound, going back to simple daily things and being sent up to Charlie's house with a bucket because mm. we were there visiting in the summertime. And, and the well would get the low. The well would get low and mm-hmm. the well water in, in that house is was very irony. It was very irony. But the Ironbound gets its name for a good reason. <laughs> the iron pyrite and the just the iron levels. Yeah. Like but Charlie's well, they as as they always said, had nice white water. Yeah. So we'd be sent up the hill at with with uh with two five gallon buckets. Oof. Well, I, I know it was... Were you pulling, excuse me, were you pulling a wagon or something? No, we were carrying this. I know it was It was either Jaron, well, Jaron and I, or Alan and I, which is hmm. you know, our cousin. Our cousin, yeah. Because uh, I'm not sure how it came about, but probably because we were the same age, but Alan and I would go and spend a week together mm, on, the on, a, on the island every year Yeah. as well. So I had a little bit of extra time, but we'd be sent up with two five-gallon buckets, and there was a smaller bucket on a rope there, and mm-hmm. we would dip water, and then we would be dragging these buckets back down the hill. <laughs> and there was two gallons of water left in the bucket by the time you got back to the We house. did the best we could. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was no sympathy for how heavy the buckets were right, from the, sure. the old folks. I mean, it was, it was just... Again, what was expected of... Of kids. Of, of everybody. Of everybody. Of everybody, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, there was uh, there was the division of men's work and women's work, but then if the men came in with a lot of fish, everybody was down in the fish store cleaning. Well, there was stuff that I was doing that the idea of my kids doing it now just raises the hair on my head. Mm. I was starting the haul-up engine by about 12 years old or so, which is... Um, Give a little more detail on the haul-up engine. It's a Lindbergh <laughs> foundry make-and-break engine, so it has it's a single-cylinder uh, engine, stationary engine with these two large cast iron flywheels on either side. Yeah, and those wheels are what? I mean, they're... Um, they seemed huge back then, but I'd they're say they're probably big. about three, three feet, feet in diameter. In diameter, yeah. Okay. Significant Nonetheless, weight, it's a lot of weight. But there's no guards, there's no safeties, there's absolutely nothing. And you start the engine by grabbing the, the flywheels mm-hmm. and you, you pull it turn the engine over a couple times manually manually until the compression comes up enough to to, to catch. fire it yeah and uh, so you know it would be very very easy to get tangled up and lose an arm or your mm-hmm. life in yeah. those engines i'm sure a lot of people did but it was just uh boats coming in yeah and uh go i mean i remember waiting for uh grampy would be coming in and we'd go down, or, or Russell would be coming in, and we'd go mm-hmm. pull the hook down for the hollow mm-hmm. engine right? and start the engine. So Russell didn't have to climb out of the boat, or Grampy didn't. We'd hook, on, yeah. we'd hook on and pull the boat out. Yeah. Which I'm sure they appreciated, because they otherwise they'd have to have climb to over climb. the bow. And, yeah. And me being 42 now, that seems, having not, to not climb out of something seems like a really a nice favor. <laughs> So you're the same age now that Grampy was at the time that that, that article was written. Uh, yeah, now that you mention it. Yeah. So your skin's holding up a lot nicer than uh, I think was. I think he looks better. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my goodness. Yeah, but the level wow. of uh, the, the responsibility that, that yeah. kids 
that, that and that we had even that even that even, even we, we had because dad uh dad mirrored well i mean as a parent you mm-hmm. usually mirror what your how your parents raised you yeah and when you at least take the things that you think worked and, and there's there's times that i find it tough to reconcile or you know i i think is something that should be I should be raising my kids and I have an argument with my wife over, you know, <laughs> why, why are you expecting the kids to mm-hmm, do this, do or, this that. or that? And I'm sitting there going, well, I did when I was right. But, and at the know, same time, like the health and safety board would be like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get that. I think about that too. Even, um, well, I mean, we were latchkey kids for, yeah. and, uh, we were expected, uh, I remember when dad got home from work, he expected us to have supper, supper ready. ready. Yeah. And we would have been. We were little. Little. Yeah. I think that you probably would have been 10 or 12. Uh, well, at the, or, or at, at, the, at the outside. Outside end. Yeah. yeah. I was young, definitely younger than that. So I would have been 10 or 12. (laughs) Exactly. I would have been like 14. Yeah. And, uh, you know, peel potatoes and fry pork chops. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, simple, simple food, but nevertheless, like, well, it it is. And it, 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 uh, on the one side, but on the other, it was always expected. There was a, a a meat, potatoes and And vegetable, two other vegetables. Right. It was, (laughs) as, Mom said uh, one time that Dad was a foodie, and yeah. You know, so, sometimes we have a meal where it's like our protein and uh, whatever one vegetable or something, right? Mm-hmm. But it was expected. It was meat, potato, and two vegetables. Yeah, you know whether it was carrots and and peas or right beans or and frying up mushrooms and onions for what the yeah or whatever. But meat, it, it yeah. was and so yeah, it's true. You know that that's uh, definitely not something that is. And kind of interesting for his generation of where he was coming from, because dad also, I mean, I can remember mom teaching me a lot of, you know, baking and stuff, but I remember dad teaching me cooking more, which, you know, he knew how to cook. Yes. I don't know at what point, because I mean, I, I know I've definitely gotten from mom that he went to university up in Halifax and spent an awful lot of time going to uh, Arthur and Muriel's to get, <laughs> to <laughs> to get, get meals. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, like any college kid, I think probably his cooking was certainly not at the standards that he was accustomed to, but somewhere along the line, he did pick up enough to uh, at least be able to impress upon us how he wanted things done. And maybe that was just observation of his mom and saying, okay, I still want things done the way that my mom did for me. So could be. Yeah. That one thing, I mean, you know, I can, you can always sit there and pick your parents apart endlessly, sure. but yeah. one thing you have to give to dad is he was always learning. Yes. Yeah. Whether absolutely. I mean, dad, dad was, he learning. was voracious uh how to carve or mm-hmm. how to uh i mean dad was always learning something and re- sort of training and retraining and yeah learning to sail learning to carve learning to repair the boat learning to 
And as a teacher going back to school going in the summers, and, yeah. I mean, you're talking about somebody who grew up without electricity until he was, I think, at least 10. He, Dad was born in 53. Do you know when they brought the cable to the I, island? I wish I could. I had that article because yeah. it's still sitting out on Ironbound. But uh... Well, um, at the time of this article, which I figured out was 66, they were still operating on the generators individually on each home. Well, so Dad said when he was in high school, he was still doing homework by oil lamp. Oil lamp. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So somebody who grew up that way, who then ended up being the teacher of computer sciences yeah. at the public school on the mainland, it's, you know, he, he definitely was pursuing knowledge at all times. Yeah. And I, su- I suppose the men I was talking to my wife here just mm. uh, the other day about, about my grandmother, well, I guess about this, but, uh, our grandfather was educated to a point. He could sign his name mm-hmm. in cursive. Mm-hmm. And he could read. And he, he could read. He, like, read for leisure. Yeah, he could he could read, and he could do his numbers. Mm-hmm. But his handwriting, his, his penmanship was terrible. Mm. So it was not something he used well, He didn't much. use it that much, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Nan. And the time that he would have been learning to do his handwriting versus what his hands became from what it was that he was doing. like That, that is true. You know, like those were not hands that were uh, practicing that type of movement. They were. Yeah. But the way at least Nan and Grampy had it set up was Grampy was bringing money in, but mm-hmm. Nan was very much the home and business manager because she had there's that uh birch desk on ironbound Mm -hmm. where it was and that's where she did all of her accounts and all of her banking and nan's penmanship of course was Was perfect beautiful yeah it's beautiful well we've got our our cookbooks that she wrote stuff out Mm -hmm. and it's just it's wonderful to see her her writing agreed so uh I forget where I was even going with this. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the men and women. Oh, and, and... yeah, education. Um, mm-hmm. Always learning. So, I mean, they were the, you know, my grand, our grandfather was not the most educated man in the no. world, but everything out there, uh, all the machinery that, you know, newer engines and this, that, and the other thing, or even the diesel generators. You had or, to learn. They had to learn and did all the maintenance and the repairs, and the repairs as themselves best they could, yeah. because uh, to have to get somebody else to do it. Someone from the mainland to come out was, well, I mean, that was a day of work lost Yeah, and logistics of running in and picking them up and running out. And mm-hmm. then it, it would have to be you know, really so, so dire. You yeah. got a people that were, they were born and then, you know, they they had the tractor and I know for a fact that they did several clutch jobs on the tractor. So mm-hmm. that involved them splitting the tractor apart and doing all that mechanical stuff, which is, you know, sometimes can be, get to be quite an involved mechanical yeah. process. And you don't get it well, right the first time, then you have to just keep going. You have to do it again. Right. Yeah. So even though he wasn't uh, classically educated, he, he was, had a lot of problem solving and he had they had a huge amount of problem solving mm-hmm. and engineering 
uh, latent talent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Talent and as as or, or skill. Yeah, all of these. One of the things that I kind of um, keep kind of back arriving back at is the difference or things that get attributed to talent being kind of like, yeah, that person just kept working at that and they needed to do the thing in this case would be the other side of it. Do you remember the story of uh, the submarine that I've heard that Grampy saw a U-boat? I heard that as well. Yes. Do you know anything more about that? I think that would probably be it. Okay. Just saw you boat <laughs> well, sitting in your boat fishing and uh <laughs> well at, at that time uh if if they if he was out either with his father i I don't know when Grampy was born actually twenty four okay so nineteen twenty four actually that that makes sense because Grampy didn't fight in the war because he was a primary, primary. he was a uh, yeah. yeah food industry or whatever sure so he was exempt from the draft yeah which is a good thing I you know yeah no it's we don't have a very uh, military family because our family were all primary on, on the resources side, yes. on the Fink side yes yeah. absolutely but uh the boat that he would have been in would have been like a 16 foot or 18 dory. foot dory. Like they didn't right. get the boats that we remember. The diesel engine. Yeah. Well, yeah. there were engine boats before that, but they were so, smaller. So the dories were, so the dories are just like an open boat. They don't have any covered space on them. No. And I think a lot of people don't know what a dory is. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, a dory is really the first for lack of a better word mass production kind right. of boat they were they stackable were, they were stackable they were they were easy and quick to manufacture and they, they were had durable, really wide but, planks yes but they had uh they, they've got a flat bottom mm-hmm. and they're usually 16, 16 to 20 no i wouldn't say 20 feet long well some of the big ones had two or placements, right? Well, even I think even small ones. Even the small two, ones had two, two or placements. They're pretty, That's, yeah, they're pretty heavy. Well, imagine the the distance they were propelling them. You can yeah. step a mast in them. I yeah, think. you can. Now, and they I don't so they know used to take these boats certain, off of the Grand Bank. So the big schooners that were fishing yeah, off the, the Grand the, Banks. The original use of the dory was for the Salt Bank schooners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they got adapted as you know, they were readily available. You could get one, and mm-hmm. they were a lot of them. They installed a small make and break engine in. Oh, okay. So um, if you if you remember up in the the fish store on Ironbound, this like some of these little two bladed propellers about that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that those probably came from. Engines off a dory. Uh, engine, yeah, off of the dory. So they probably had an engine. But you imagine, uh, you know, U-boat technology at the time, they had to come up and, and, and right. run the generators to charge their batteries mm-hmm. at night. So they were ha- coming up so that they could get air for the engines? Uh, that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's getting into yeah. military history. <laughs> yeah. Later on, they invented a snorkel where they could come up to a certain depth and then okay. run the engines with a snorkel and an exhaust. Mm-hmm. But uh, earlier on, they had to surface. Okay. And I know that 
if they were spotted by larger boats on the surface, they had a deck gun and they would often sink the like you know like sink fishing it. schooners or something. Okay. They would a lot of times they would put the crew off in boats and sink the larger boat to so that they couldn't so that they report couldn't, them in, mm-hmm. right? But I can I can't imagine them looking at a sixteen foot boat Dory. where they probably didn't have a radio. Yeah. And saying, I'm gonna waste a shell. Yeah, it's probably not worth our effort. Yeah. So but yeah. Grampy also uh talked uh, this is definitely a part of history that I forget, but he talked about seeing the airships. Oh yeah. The dirigibles. Yeah. Now they would have been traveling from Halifax to New York. Is that a reasonable guess? Okay. I don't know. I've never actually looked into it, but I know that he talked about seeing the airships. Now, hmm. I don't know whether that was as a really young kid or when they stopped right. flying those guys. But, uh, you know, the, the era of airships was not long, but no. he did talk about seeing them. Hmm. So funny. From the, from the land hill, so it assumed that you know, probably way off in the distance. Right. But they were there. So that's an interesting it is. little nugget. I mean, the world was, I guess, I guess in a similar mm, energy, I can remember standing at the wharf and watching Theodore Tugboat go by. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so Ironbound was always this sort of like, like stationary pocket of the world. And we were coming and going and people were, you know, existing in that pocket. And then the world outside was kind of operating at this different pace. It is. But some. Uh, well, the funny thing about Ironbound is it always seems to draw mm. stuff to it, people mm-hmm. to it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, no, it has an allure. There's a lot of islands and there's a lot of stuff that's way more accessible, but there's been... One, two movies shot on Iron, or a movie and some TV shows, mm-hmm. and one or two books written books, about it. Right, and, Rockbound, Frank and, Parker Day, and then uh, Jack Gray was uh, the Jack Gray was artist a local famous artist. Came and did all the paintings and stuff of the island. He did, and uh, it just seems to be a place that. It's it's like one of these it catches the imagination happening places. It doesn't do anything, <laughs> but people just or things just seem to happen around it. I mean, yeah, uh, the plane almost crashed on it back in right the, Swiss the, Air like, flight nineteen ninety five nine eleven no Is, no Swiss Air one eleven one eleven. There we go. You get confused, <laughs> but it was it was flight one eleven, but it was also in September. I remember when that happened, I was in um, like frosh week going into high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I remember when being, you know, typical us, we were going out to harvest the potatoes on the island. Right. So Mm -hmm. we got up, drove down to New Harbor in the dark, took the boat out, Mm -hmm. not, you know, listening to the news or anything and realizing that. All, all of everything the was military supposed to be, uh, you know, stopped. No one was supposed to be cruising around. So we went out to the island. Right. And we were out there. Uh, we're like, there's a lot of boats out. And uh, 
Next thing you know, we're, 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 I was, we're picking potatoes and look down, a boat comes in and the army unloads on the That's wharf. That's right. Because they were, and they were back picking up they were back pieces picking on up the beach. pieces of people and mm, airplanes. And airplane. But My mostly, goodness. it was, there was body recovery at that time, mostly. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, so they had, yeah, they had all these Ziploc ba- sandwich baggies there. They stacked Ugh. them up next to the fish store there in the shade. <laughs> For some reason, I wasn't with you guys at that. I'm not sure why, but, oh, uh, I seem to actually have a memory that maybe I was at a fencing competition. It would have been the right time because I was amping up towards the Canada Games at that moment. So, yeah, I don't even remember the exact year, but, uh, uh, yeah, young teens for me. It would have been 90, uh, if I graduated in 01. Was that 95? 97? 99, 98. 98, I, I think. think. Yeah. Yeah, it always still seems like it was only yesterday. I know. <laughs> the expanding and contracting nature of our perspective of time. Yeah, so, yeah, lots of lots of stuff happens. Uh, but it always seems, if you wait long enough, something always happens out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure enough. I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what comes next. Because um, obviously... There's not, there's no industry to support Ironbound. And so the infrastructure is definitely on the wane at this point. The fish stores, I mean, the fish store that you and I restored with dad um, for John Risley, we did that in, uh, anyways, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess all through the 90s. I, sort of all through the 90s. I but mean, yeah. that was my entire uh, <clears throat> high school work career was yeah. that uh, working for John Risley on his buildings. Um, yeah, that's right. So, but that's the only one that's in like reasonably good nick at the moment and yeah. it still could use some maintenance. So I don't know, you know, things are <clears throat> on a on a rotation out there. All of the lanches, which for anybody who doesn't know a lanch is a launch. <laughs> I've been made fun of by so many friends from uh, other places in the world when I've spoken about the island and they're like, what is a lanch? <laughs> I'm like, hmm. a, a, lanch, a lanch is a launch. launch. But for, for all your your viewing, uh, your listeners', listeners. pleasures and, and uh, disclosing a little bit of uh, local corruption, we had some people living uh, not living. They owned property. Mm. They were summer residents who uh, worked for Funk and Wagnall's Encyclopedia. Mm, mm-hmm. And as a uh, a nod to the local flavor, I suppose they had Lanch put into Funk and Wagnall's Encyclopedia really? as Lanch. Oh no! Or uh, oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I imagine that couldn't really even be found at this point because, my God, it's I, not like anybody owns encyclopedias I'm anymore. I'm not even but... sure Funk and Wagnalls exists anymore. Uh, but, who knows? Yeah, that's, but, uh, that's they, hilarious. Yeah, they were they were contributing editors or something. Yeah, they were two university people, uh, professors, professors or something from yeah. New York. Oh, that's so funny. So yeah, they they had uh, Lanch put in. With that pronunciation, as 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 a, as a proper um, thing, yeah, I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, I might 
bring it around for today because I think that one of the wonderful things about having you available to me is that you're available to me and I can keep coming back to you <laughs> with more questions. Anytime. Mark. Yeah. You know, I've got a mind like a sieve. <laughs> <laughs> Things well, fall through, but later on I'll be like, oh, I oh. should have mentioned that. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get another chance. Sure. But yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Anytime. time.